All right, Lady Ada, what is this? Hey, everybody, and happy Halloween. Welcome to Show and Tell. What's like the day after? Halloween Eve Eve day. It's Halloween somewhere in the world. Or if you start leaving the planet Earth, if you could leave faster than the oh, speed of light, true. you would be able to see the light beams that bounced off from planet Earth and be able to look back yeah. and see, um, you know, Halloween. Gosh. But if you're out somewhere else in the universe oh. looking towards Earth, it's yeah. still Halloween sometime in the past okay so um <laughs> good uh we're just background radiation here yeah. so this is a show and tell we're checking with people from the aid for community and beyond what are they working on are they 3d printing coding uh roboting uh hacking and more uh first off we actually have jay from digikey who's here jay, what's going on let's see yeah. let me turn this on this is actually the first test oh okay everything seems to be working yeah. Um, I upgraded my robot from my Italy trip recently to Maker Faire Italy uh, Bebop, and I just finished it today. It's using a person sensor and a Pico to do facial tracking and basic stuff, but I did upgrade this up here, which if I can pull it up really quickly, I'm trying to pull up my phone really fast. It's a C Studio camera, hmm. so like now I can like live stream somewhat of oh. like, Ooh, nice. my robot piece. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Supercon is happening uh, this weekend, so I'm hoping to wear it, bring it with me, and then also see what my robot sees, I guess, when I'm walking yeah. around. Okay. Get a different perspective on things. Wait, oh, wow. was it, did it sing? Oh, no, that was that was me. Okay. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's cute. Yeah, a little, like, BB-8 sound. Right. I don't have enough room to make a soundboard in here. Not yet. That's the problem. I love the, I love the little head and the eyeball motion. It's, a, it's very cute. Yeah, I had to fix this issue because it was having. I took it when I took it to Italy. It was doing fine, but the legs had broke off. So I spent the week like upgrading the legs and actually you know making them a bit tougher and adding like little metal rods in them so they can take more hits. So hopefully it should be fine for this event and good and ready to go. But you know you never know until you have to test it. Yeah, robot well, seems like they're just like pets. Like you're just constantly taking them to the vet, <laughs> taking them to the yeah. vet. My main problem is I keep taking them apart because they have useful parts and me forgetting that I don't have to do that anymore. So Yeah, did yeah. you just send you however many you want? Like, yeah. you know, you know, no, I'm not used to it. I'm used to being poor, okay? Being yeah. poor means everything must be recycled. Every yeah. yeah, every part can go onto something else. Yeah, only now I'm starting to stop that. So hopefully if this one survives the vacay and stuff, yeah. this will be my wearable for events that are happening suddenly. And I also still have binary that blows bubbles and stuff. I just finished repairing that yesterday. So it's just been a whole bunch of upgrading and repairing for the last week. Okay. All right. Um, this is super cool. Um, folks will probably see some of the talks and more um, that are at uh, Supercon. Um, mm -hmm. I started Hackaday a million years ago. I have nothing to do with it now, but there's an event called Supercon, which is the Hackaday conference. Um, there's a Hackaday prize. There's all sorts of stuff going on. It's neat. I like seeing it. It's still around. It's still something that people love and cherish and enjoy and it's a one of the few places besides maker fair which you were just at where people can hang out together and do really cool stuff with electronics so looking forward to i know you'll post something from it looking forward to uh li living through oh, your yeah. robot's eyes perhaps <laughs> definitely i'm trying i'm gonna do my best to post what i can but you know 
Pack a Day is like nerd Thanksgiving. That's what yeah. I call it because it's a whole bunch of food and us chatting about projects. So Thank I'm you. excited for it. If you're coming, I hope to see you. Yeah. You say hi. I will always be there. I'm friendly usually. I think. <laughs> when you when you eat yeah. when you've had enough to eat. Yeah. Well, you have a robot. They yeah, can talk to eat. When the robot's working and you've had yeah. like, some good snacks. All right, Jay. Well, good I to see you, you. and yeah. uh, happy travels, safe travels, and all that. Yep. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye. Okay. Hey Scott. Scott, what you got going on? Oh, oh I told them I told folks in the inter internal meeting I got in the fight with a palm tree. Yeah. yeah. You should see the palm tree. <laughs> oh yeah. You should see the palm tree. Two weekends. When, in when a you're row. like 20, it's like, oh, I went to the mosh pit. And then when you're like in your 30s, you're like, I was cleaning the house. <laughs> Dan was like, did you get swiped by a cat? But no, it's a yeah. palm frond. No, your cats um, are really uh ari's learning what a nose is my kid he, he likes to there you go. my nose now um anyway so it worked it worked things uh i've been working on switching us to a split heap which is uh what we used to do in circuit python 8 and below is that like as the vm started up we would take all the remaining available memory and we'd say this is for python um that's great until you want to put things uh outside of the heap as you're still running Python. So in MicroPython 121, they added the ability to start with a small Python heap and then grow it as you go along. Um, so I just made a PR for that. Uh, and relatedly, somebody had filed an issue long ago. Um, it's like in the 2000s number-wise. But uh, Dan went through all the, the long-term issues over the last weekend and, and picked this one out and said, this still happens. So I investigated it a little bit. and. On my screen here, I have the uh, a version of the sample code, and I just wanted to show. I added this thing in debug builds uh, with this, uh, where if you allocate something that's way too big, it'll print out a map of the heap. Um, so this is def definitely not going to succeed. This is like uh, 100k, and then uh, this is code that MicroPython already had in it, but it explains uh, what is on the heap already. And in this case, what you can see is this T is for a tuple or tuple, which is like that parenthesized multiple values in it. Uh, and you can see that there's lots and lots and lots of small tuples with uh, free space in between. So uh, it's pretty common for people to say like, look, I ran GC mem free. It's like 60K. Why can't I allocate 256 bytes? Um, and this is why. <laughs> um, this is called heap fragmentation, meaning that all of you, you have a lot of free space, but none of it is right next to each other. Um, and so this is a, a pathological case that right now we don't have a good answer for how you fix. Um, so un unfortunately, there's no magic bullet, but I thought this was a cool visualization that they have. And I, I made it trigger when you fail to allocate something, because that's when it's the handiest. And you can actually see here, um, like these are the different pools now. So like as you grow the heap, you get separate pools. So this is one, and it starts with smaller ones here. So you can you can see all the different pieces of memory that they're using for that. And why why is there space between the two pools? Is it like you can't you have to have it on a boundary, and so or is it like to grow you need to be able to? It's 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 the difference between uh, so when you're doing. Let me show you. So the code that it's doing is it's storing 500 values from like the magnetometer. Uh, and so what you're doing is you're you're doing some temporary allocations to to compute the like final tuple that you're going to hold on to. So uh, 
like this call, the clue.magnetic is doing like four allocations or four blocks of allocations, and then making the tuple that you're going to hang on to in this list for a long time. And then it goes again, it goes again, it goes again. It only collects when it can't allocate. So all of that memory that you use in that computation um, is kind of left there until you absolutely need to take it away. And so you end up with those tuples evenly spaced throughout memory, and then all these little holes when you do this, the garbage collection. Oh, because it's not garbage. Yeah, so I was like, oh, why don't you stick the new tuple allocation in between, but it doesn't doesn't know that those are free. So right. You know, the right thing to do would be to do a GC collect after every four. Whether it's the, whether it's the right thing or not, I don't know. Well, but, yeah, I know, right? Uh, but but it would like cause it to compact more, I think. Um, you know, it would be interesting. We can even probably try that. I mean, this is, like you said, it is a pathological case, but it would be interesting to have a mode I'm, I'm that you could set in CircuitPython that would say, hey, after every 100K, every every time the heap grows by, 100, by, by you know, 1K, right. automatically run the G, like, be more yeah, But, but you'll it. still get that spacing in whatever unit that you choose to do. Um, but I think your point is, like, if I do... From Adafruit Clue. So I'm in a, I, I just restarted the REPL, right? Yeah. So now if I do um, the A equals, if I do it again, but I do a collect in that loop. Yeah. It's probably going to be different. So for I'm just curious, curious. I know I'm curious too. You know, this is like free, that. I like how you're doing like free, free uh, solo Python coding. <laughs> I, I don't do a lot of like in the REPL stuff, but this issue actually only presents itself in the REPL because you have to do the whole compilation stuff every time you type in a line. Yeah. And that takes that takes larger chunks of memory than if you did it in a file right. where it does all the compilation and then runs, but you don't ever need a big chunk of memory. It, won't, it runs just fine. Okay. So I actually did have to do it in the REPL. Um, Okay, so here now we're gonna do a DC collect. So we'll let that run. So it's slower because GC, GC right. collect is not fast because it's looking and trying to decide everything. Um, and it did have to do a malloc. That's a debug print that I've got in this build. Yeah. But now let's do the byte array 100 times 1024 again, the thing that's gonna fail and print it out. Ah, see? So it did compact it a lot. Yeah. So now you can see that it's all these T equals next to each other. Yeah. And that's because those temporary objects that we're doing to compute the tuple get cleared away in the collection. Okay, I'm just curious. Look, look, I, you know, I recommend people do that. But I mean, and here's the thing. You don't have to do it every line. You could say, like, if it's modulo 10 equals zero, so you do it every right. 10. Um, but I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, and it's deceptive here because, like, the way the the code is written is that list of 500 stays the same, right? So you would think yeah. that you're doing the big allocation, but that list is really just pointing to all these individual. I people. know we need handles. Yeah, it's memory management is fascinating, and that's a great example. That's, oh. Okay. We can I link people to this when they have fragmentation issues. <laughs> we'll, we'll all learn. To, I'll send this to somebody. They're like, "Hey, why is this not? Why can't it allocate?" I'll be like, I feel like we're back video. to the defrag." Oh yeah, <laughs> it's a moving moving memory is really hard, and that's like explicitly something I'm I'm moving us away from with this split heap stuff. Is like yeah. we used to actually do some memory moving, and we had like all sorts of problems 
particularly on the RGB matrix with Protobuf. Yeah, it's like you, computers just, do not like it when you move memory from a location to a different location. They're like, you got to know everywhere to update. Yeah, like that's why virtual, virtual memory managers are like, oh, we're just gonna add another layer of abstraction. Like that's yeah. that's how they do it. They're like, I had a I had a friend be like, why don't you just use Cortex A's and use their memory mapping stuff? It's like, yeah, I was all right. Well, thanks for this mini deep dive, Scott. Yeah, thanks. And uh, thanks in advance for Tim to do deep dive this week and next uh, in sure. my spot. All right. Thanks so much, Scott. Thanks, Scott. Thank okay. You. Next up is Liz. Hey, what's going on, Liz? Hello. And her gigantic clock, which is an inset. Not, it's not actually on your wall. Yes, we have an Adabot Lego for scale. Uh, but I've been working on a project that's an Earth and Mars clock. It's using the four-inch uh, 720 by 720 display with a Qualia board that's um, off to the side here. And so Mars has its own kind of timekeeping thing um, called MTC. And so you can do a calculation um, to convert UTC time to Mars time. So right now the Earth clock is showing um, Eastern Standard Time come on the East Coast. And then um, when it goes to the Mars side, um, it's showing the MTC. I do need to try to get the MTC to be a little bit more accurate in CircuitPython. I notice it's a little bit off from when I do it in desktop Python, where I um, did the calculations originally, but um, I think we'll get there. Uh, and we're gonna use CapTouch, do CapTouch around so you can switch between that way. Right now I just have it doing every 10 seconds for demo purposes. Um, but the I think the coolest thing about this is figuring out the rotation with the clock hands and getting it so it's pointing at the right spot depending on the value. And I might post up a demo that um, will show it um, sped up. Um, you can see the minute hand going and the hour hand slowly moving as well. Yeah. It's kind of cool. So. Yeah, that's tough. There's a lot of trig there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. See, so you will use that trigonometry one day. I know. See? Go back I to actually three. never got to trig in high school, so it was a really steep learning curve. <laughs> so. No time like the present. All right, thanks so much, yeah. Liz. All right, thanks, Liz. Have a good one. All right, JP, what you got going on this week? Hey, I've got some Pokemon stuff going on this week. So here's my uh, Nintendo Switch, and I've got Pokemon Shield on here. Uh, I'm not hardcore, so I'm a bit of a poser here, but there are hardcore people who like to do weird stuff like hunt for these really, really low odds characters that are shiny variants on characters, like one in 4,000 chance of finding them. Uh, same with uh, crossbreeding eggs to make really rare Pokemon. Uh, but one interesting thing is that some of the techniques used to, to do this involve really tedious stuff like spinning your character around in circles. So if you spin the analog thumbstick, your character will spin in a circle. If you let go after a second, she stops. So for some of these hacks, people just want that going on and on and on for like an hour or more, <laughs> their odds of their, and I'm not going to do that. So uh, on a suggestion from Lamore to look into some Pokemon automation stuff, I've come up with this Pokeball right here, which when I plug in, it's going to be my left thumb. So you can see I'm hands-free, but it is now well. doing the left thumbstick for me. And I can go and grab myself a drink, and it is going to just keep doing that forever and ever uh, right. until, I, until I unplug, and then she'll strike a really cool stance. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this is, I'll, I'll go over this tomorrow on my show, on the workshop show, but this is super simple. It's a Pico H, and it's one jumper cable. And uh, thanks to Lamore, who had me simplify this from some other nonsense I had going on. No, I mean, it was it was good, but I was like, I was like, oh, let's make it like really, really easy. As simple as can be, yeah. Yeah. So 
This is the Pico H. It comes with the header pins on there. This is a uh, socket to socket jumper cable. You can basically ground any of the pins on here and almost all of them act like one of the controller buttons on the switch. Uh, and I'm choosing to use one that I've um, uh, allocated to be a macro. So I'm, I'm gonna show how to set up macros using GP2040CE. Um, it's really cool. You could use this for other like quality of life things in Zelda, in Animal Crossing. If you look at hacks that people have come up with, uh, there's even some commercial products that are little Bluetooth dongles uh, that run some of these hacks. We can we can do a bunch of them for what is that like a five dollar microcontroller? I think it's a great first like if you if you know nothing about electronics and you want to get into tool assisted, you know, um, speed running or yeah. assist, you know uh, coding. Yeah. Like, I think this is a great, like, you don't need anything but, like, a cable, USB cable, a single yeah. jumper wire, and a Pico H. That's all it is. Yeah, and I've even seen, I don't know if this is plausible on this or not, but I've seen one of the hacks people do is, like, a perfectly timed Mario Odyssey throwing his hat, jumping, landing on his hat, throwing his hat. So you can, like, cross big spaces if you're really good or if you're a huge cheater with a microcontroller. So I yeah. make it that option. <laughs> That's a, that's a good one. All right. Well, thanks so much, JP. And folks can tune in tomorrow and see all this and more. We're going to be playing your power washer thing on. Uh, oh, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Thank thanks. All right. Next up, we got three folks who just downloaded in. We're going to go to David, the DG Devon 2, and then Delchi. David, what you got going on this week? Hello. Um, well, thanks to the daylight saving, which is different in Europe and in US, I can go to your show without having to sleep very late. <laughs> Yay. So this is Teddy Red Spin for the Halloween with the red axe. Ooh. Oh, um, nice. Uh, I took your code um, because I was not able to use the new one from Jetler. And I extracted all of the image. I've changed the blue into red and then reinserted that into the thing. So that, that's the first step of, of my Halloween trick. Then the second trick is um, the feather with USB uh, host. And what you can do is to um, turn on and off um, a USB device. So uh, like this lamp, I can turn it on and off. OK? So the last trick is that the uh, TEDx Ruxbin um, will turn off if you connect a USB to it. So it works reverse to the lamps. Um, if you give it power, it will pause because it tries to share the file system. And then when you cut the power, it goes into the idle mode. So the trick was to connect the Teddy Ruxbin to um, this setup. And basically, I've got a, a time of flight sensor, a small screen to display the, the current distance. And if I put my hand here, it will stop the light. Uh -huh. I mean, it will turn on the steady workspin. That's good. Spooky. Right. That was my um, setup for Halloween. That's and great. Good projects, and thanks for continuing on more um, Teddy Ruxpin hacking. They're available. People can get them. They're super cool. You can put different sounds on them now. So looking forward to more projects that people are doing with it. Yeah, they are cheap in, in US. Um, it did cost me a lot 
to get them in Europe. Yeah, probably oh, shipping. Any, moving anything on planet Earth takes takes time and resources and money now. So yeah, in the U.S., I think we have landfills. We have, yeah, we have la so many landfills choice. full of Teddy Ruxpins, unfortunately. Okay, well, thanks. Right. Thank you, David. Happy All right, we're going to go to DJ Devin, and then we're going to go to Delchi. DJ Devin, what you got going on? Well, I got this uh, cool yeah. Halloween mask. I did not build it. I meant to modify it. Did not have time. Um, but this is a really cool mask. Uh, it's got two LEDs you know, built in that you can kind of change different stuff. This is just a purchased product. that, But uh, I hit up. Uh, Halloween candy this year with this on, and people were really impressed with it. And, uh, That's cool. Take this. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good work. Well, you can hack and mod it, you know? It's cool. Because I wanted to show you, like, how simple this uh, – it's stuck in there really well. Yep, I'm not going to be able to get it out. Um, the – hard to see. This is a little Bluetooth BLE board in here. That's all that's in here. It's got a tiny little yeah. LiPo, and that powers the uh, – this is a, a flexible, like, matrix thing. Um, yeah. Really cool looking. Um, and I was kind of looking for something like that to add. But I, what I intend to do now is to open up this BLE, see if I can hack it, and then uh, uh, run it with CircuitPython. Because yeah. the, the Bluefruit app, in order to uh, to do this, is like a Chinese shady kind of thing, and not a fan of that. Which, so, would rather try and hack it with uh, to run Circuit Python. Yeah. All right. Hack away. All right. Good work. Happy holidays. Thanks for coming by. You always have something interesting going on. That mask yeah, is cool. Yeah, I yeah. like the um, hair. It looks like Predator, but they're just like cable cable covers. Actually, the first thing uh, that re this reminded me of was Jordan Moss. <laughs> Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, it, it's cool because it's it looks like it's like robotic dreads. And yeah, it's it's the first thing I thought of when I think robots and dreads is, is yeah, it could be Queen yeah, Borg. Yeah. It could be all sorts of stuff. That's a cool hairstyle. Well, as you as you, I have, call it techno predator because it kind of has predator. that predator. As you are hacking discover stuff, uh, post up in uh, the Adafruit playground, and then you know you can publish it. And maybe other people will have suggestions. They'll be able to say like, oh. I know that chip. Here's how you can mod it, or here's yep. you know I've also hacked this uh, mask. I'm hoping there's uh, some UART like uh, pogos or something that I can. If not, I'm gonna have to like feather bodge wire it kind of thing. But right. that, yeah, that's the intent. Circuit pipe right. on it. Go All right, thanks it. so much, and uh, happy Halloween, you know, post Halloween. Happy yep. post Halloween. All right, Delta, play us out. Hey, hello everybody. Hello. So. I have a lot of time on my hands lately, and I met some new friends who play trucking simulators, which is like a simulator where you're driving an 18-wheeler across the country, but they bemoaned one thing. They have a real-time chat system that uses a CB radio, just like in a real truck, but they're using headsets and desktop microphones, and they wanted a real CB microphone for their real truck simulator. And while they have these things, they're like 180 to $300 for the adapters. So in the true spirit of hacking, I said those famous three words, hold my beer. And I went and got some parts from you folks. And now what we have is a under $50 adapter that lets you use an actual honest-to-goodness CB radio microphone on your PC for your simulator. Uh, QTPi 2040 handles the PTT, 
a miniaturized USB sound card, an adapter with some magic wires soldered, and a single wire, single USB port, and breaker, breaker, any takers. This is the big E heading east on iPhone 4 That's so cool. And you are a real CB trucker, and you have not paid $300 for an adapter. So it. the parts and plans are all going up on my new blog. And just about anybody can do it. A little bit of coding using Moo and CircuitPython. So good. That's very cool. All right. Well, thank you so much. When you're um, ready to have folks uh, poke at that and try to do it, let us know. We'll get the word out. We'll put it in the newsletter or the blog or whatever. And thanks for coming by show and telling us. That's such a great mo- – I mean, because yeah. it's, it's interesting. It's like, yeah, you want to have, like, the real the real microphone when you're doing a trucking simulator. So yeah, that's cool. I think I, I think that's so oh, cool. Yeah. There, there are people – there are people that have entire rooms dedicated to it where they've taken plywood and plastic and built like literally a truck around it. And uh, there's some really great things out there in the simulator world where people have done stuff at home. And this is just to kind of help that along. This goes right with you know JP's guide, which you know he's going to go live and, and hopefully today, maybe tomorrow, I'll get to review it. Is the power wash simulator? So yeah, we have a video from that. We'll show that video of it. In there. All right. Well, thank All you, right. Delgy. Oh, wow. Thanks, Delgy. Next show. Cheers. Cool. Cheers. All right. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for making this the best half an hour of our week every single week. Come by every Wednesday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time, where you can show and share projects, retro stuff, cool things, interesting Track stuff. Simulators. Yeah, lots of cool things. doesn't have to be Adafruit-related at all. Um, get a good idea of maybe some of the stuff we're working on behind the scenes as a little um, heads up, if uh, you're looking for, but don't put this on social media right now. Uh, if you're looking for a uh, Raspberry Pi, one of the new ones, log into your Adafruit account, make sure you have two-factor authentication. We might be putting some in the store during Ask an Engineer um, for our community, for the folks who watch things live. If you're watching this, it's already recorded. Sorry, they're probably out of stock, but uh, just get ready. We'll be doing Ask an Engineer in just a few live. minutes. And we'll be um, putting them in pretty soon. Okay, bye, everybody. See you next week.